Welcome to The Grinning Possum, a podcast about poetry, old-time music, geography, history, and interesting people who put their hands to work. I'm your host, Morris Manning. If it's homespun, homegrown, or just plain down-home, we tend to like it. We cover everything from leather britches to thunder mugs, pokeweed to polecats, and a heap of critters in between. We can even promise the occasional shoeless ditty and witty oddity. Our aim is to go from this to this. From a plain and simple beginning to something lovely most any raw materials can make. Each episode pokes around a corner of Appalachian culture and tradition and wraps it all up in a frolic. As one old timer liked to say, if you've got an itchy ear, just listen at this. And that's all you have to do. Today we are standing on the fallen down front porch of the Dry Branch School, uh, which sits on a nice hill overlooking the Salt River. We wanted to come to a one-room school like this because historically the old one-room schoolhouse education would have been where many young people first encountered poetry, meaning that they often would read a poem in class and then be asked to memorize the poem and later recite it in front of the class from memory. I thought of putting poetry back into an old one-room school because a few years ago when he was about 80, my father, who had attended the one-room school in Tyner, Kentucky until the eighth grade, shared with me that he had considerable experience memorizing poems as a youngster. Now, turns out the poems that he memorized would not have been taught in school, nor would they have been the sort a polite child should recite. But here's one he told me about 75 years after he had committed the poem to memory. Doesn't have a title. She jumped in bed and covered her head and said I couldn't find her. So I rammed old Pete right through the sheet into her sausage grinder. It's not exactly the kind of poem one would expect to hear recited in school, but the fact that my dad could recall it approximately 75 years after he had first committed it to memory, I find impressive. There's only one poem of mine that I've ever written that I can commit to memory, and I think it's because it's a short one, 30 words long. Here it goes. The Complaint Against Roney Laswell's Rooster. Attention! Mr. Roney Laswell, Roney, short for Tyrone, I hear, the hour your rooster blows for is too, too early. Another two would do. Go, speak to your rooster, Roney. That's just uh, an example, uh, I guess, poetry recitation from memory still happens even though it's probably a rare event. To commemorate further our return to a one-room schoolhouse, however, I wanted to read a couple of poems that touch on the very subject of memorization 
and recitation. This one's called The Invention of Hooky. I doubt it's in the history books, but around here we tend to agree it was Shaddy Leach who invented hooky. If he was not the inventor then, young Shaddy was a pioneer, blazing a trail in the world of hooky. It started the day he turned 13, which happened to be a sunny Tuesday, and a Tuesday meant all of the children would have to recite a dreadful poem because Miss Leathers strictly held the belief that recitation and such was important to master the English language, though no one gave a tinker's damn about the English language but her, and she would likely die a martyr for spelling and pronunciation. Well, none of this was Shaddy's strength. He knew some dirty poems by heart and would have been glad to recite the one about Piss Pot Pete, but Miss Leathers was a prune-faced old biddy and a terrible prude and thought a poem ought to provide moral instruction, especially for a filthy heathen of which she regarded Shaddy Leach a prime example of the species. Of course, Shaddy did not agree with such a characterization and further found no appeal in the poems that swam like blind fish on page after page of the musty book Miss Leathers provided. Not a single poem in the book had a knothole in it or someone who takes a piss in someone else's boot to avenge a scatological slight or musters forth a terrible blurt of wind at a solemn time in church. So... Tuesday morning, Shaddy fetched his fishing pole and dug a can of worms and slipped on by the school. He walked to his favorite bend in the river, where he dropped his line in the green water, and there on the bank in front of God, he recited every dirty poem that came to his mind and even composed with flair and rapt, absorbing vision a few of his own, discovering a choice word that rhymes with pit, and another one that rhymes with grass. He even came up with a fanciful couplet proudly bringing sighs and eyes into stark contact with each other. And to cap it off, Shaddy invented the wanton Felicity Fondlehope and put her smack in the bounce of a ballad that went on for 37 verses where she enjoyed round after round of ribald, colorful adventure. The next morning, Miss Leathers frowned at Shaddy. You have a goose egg for your recitation, Mark, she said. I trust you're proud of your achievement. Oh, I recited poetry, Miss Leathers, Shaddy said, and grinned like a possum. But not the kind you like. The poems I like are in the air, and all you have to do is listen. I spent the morning with Pisspot Pete who's the tragic hero of a romance and several that have a knothole in them and one about a woman with gas. But by the afternoon, Miss Leathers, I was having so much fun I decided I'd try some verses of my own and came up with a lady named Felicity Fondlehope. Miss Leathers, I'm here to tell you, it's hard to find a word that rhymes with Fondlehope. It's harder than trying to stuff a pat of butter up the hind end of a wildcat with a hot knife. But late in the afternoon, I found one, saddle soap, which serves the plot, and a couple more, friendly grope, and the final ring of cantaloupe to give the rhyme a trot, and soon Felicity Fondlehope was hopping all over the place, escaping travail, 
dashing the ploys of devilish men, scorning prudes with a piercing glare, then leaving off to take her ease. It's a pert near masterpiece as far as poem-making goes. Why, Freddie Tennyson would mess his britches if he ever heard it. So yes, Miss Leathers, I've fallen short of the mark you sternly set for me. But I played hooky for poetry. You might be able to hear a blue jay in the background on this brisk and windy day from the porch of the old Dry Branch one-room school. We thought we'd record a little song here that is not a very happy song, and it is, oddly enough, a waltz, which I find interesting. I'm going to play a homemade instrument that is sometimes called a stick dulcimer. I've made this from a tobacco stick, which is a piece of hardwood, and on top of that I've glued a thin fretboard made out of walnut, and the body is a cigar box, an old wooden cigar box. The bridge is made from a piece of pawpaw wood, and the tailpiece is made from persimmon wood. Now who did you say it was, brother? Who was it fell by the way? When whiskey and blood run together, did you hear anyone pray? Now their names I'm not able to tell you, but here is one thing I can say. There was whiskey and blood mixed together, but I didn't hear nobody pray. No, I didn't hear nobody pray, dear brother, didn't hear nobody pray. I heard the crash on the highway, but I didn't hear nobody pray. When I heard the crash on the highway, I knew what it was from the start. I went to the scene of destruction, and a picture was stamped on my heart. When whiskey and glass all together get mixed up with blood, where they they? Death played her hand in destruction, but I didn't hear nobody pray. No, I didn't hear nobody pray, dear brother, didn't hear nobody pray. I heard crash on the highway, but I didn't hear nobody pray.
wish I could change this sad story that I am now telling you. But there is no way I can change it. Somebody's life is now through. Now their soul has been nursed by the master. Now they died in a crash on their way. I heard the groans of the dying, but I didn't hear nobody pray. No, I didn't hear nobody pray, dear brother, didn't hear nobody pray. I heard a crash on the highway, but I didn't hear nobody pray. We'll give up the game and stop drinking For Jesus is pleading with you It cost him a lot of redeeming Redeeming the promise for you It'll be too late come tomorrow You'll fall by a crash by the way with whiskey and blood all around you And you can't hear nobody pray Oh, I didn't hear nobody pray, dear brother Didn't hear nobody pray I heard the crash on the highway But I didn't hear nobody pray no, I didn't hear nobody pray, dear brother, I didn't hear nobody pray. I heard the crash on the highway, but I didn't hear nobody pray. Here's another poem to share on the porch. As a breeze comes through the air, jostling the leaves. Why Pearly Kept the Weasel Well, everybody got together one night down at the mouth of the cave and just had the best time ever. Duke Belcher had gone fishing that day but hadn't had a bite. Little Little had just got over the scours and didn't want to eat. Nellie Creech was sweetening up to Eldon Slate and flirting like a little hen, but Eldon was either in one of his moods or more likely too ninny-headed and dense to notice the prettiest girl around was ready to put on her apron and settle, which is just as well because Eldon is not a very capable man. And I expect he knows it too. He needs a woman to lead him around, and Nellie Creech is not that kind. She wants a man to fuss and fawn all over her, and Eldon lacks the spark for anything like that. Arliss Binge said he remembered the time his cousin Bald swallowed a shooting marble, and it took nearly a week before it came out the other end of Bald, and Bald had done his business in a bucket in order to retrieve the marble, and after that, Arliss and Bald were shy on marbles for a while, but Bald had saved the marble all these years and liked to say it was a marble that had been somewhere. Meanwhile, Granny and I were stringing a mess of beans, and she saved the strings to feed to the chickens because a chicken 
is not a picky critter when it comes to eating things, and the string of a bean to a chicken is high living indeed. Then Burge recalled the night he slept in the chicken coop and trapped the awfulest weasel you ever saw and put it in a sack, determined he would drown the old egg sucker, but then he thought he'd play a prank on Pearly Patch on account of Pearly being such a sourpuss and all about the world. So Verge went over one day when Pearly was taking a nap on the porch and introduced the weasel to Pearly's open overalls, and Pearly invented a dance right there, and soon everybody around caught on and was doing a dance they called the Pearly Patch Weasel Stomp, and Pearly was pleased at last to be the origin of something good in the world, and the weasel had cured him from being the sourpuss he used to be, and it changed his outlook because the meaning of his life had arrived, and Pearly, not known as a lettered man, sat down one day and wrote a book, a book he called The Way of the Weasel, and dedicated it to Verge for saving him from perdition and doom, by which time Pearly had introduced the weasel to a feather pillow beside the one he used himself and was calling the weasel Earl the Pearl, asserting some sort of kinship only Pearly himself could fathom or cipher, and Verge said Earl was quite the weasel and was glad he hadn't drowned the critter. Finally, Granny yawned and said in her high, old, quavering voice, If we're not careful, we might sit right here all night, children, and then we'd be good for nothing come tomorrow. Honey, don't forget them strings. It's a pure misery to jilt a chicken and have it to droop and mope about, pining and puny for a string, she said to me. So I followed her from the cool of the cave into the house and into the tall dream she gave me. You've been listening to The Grinning Possum, a podcast from Kentucky. If you like what you've heard, please share it with a friend. Thank you kindly for your time, and keep it in your pouch. The Grinning Possum podcast is written and performed by Morris Manning. The show is engineered and edited by Steve Cody and is funded with a grant from the Kentucky Arts Council, the state arts agency, which is supported with federal funding from the National Endowment for the Arts.